Good morning, everyone. Surely this is the day the Lord has made. And what are we supposed to do? Rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the cool thing about the fact that I'm looking out and I'm finding people with masks on is that I get the opportunity to envision you smiling <laughs> and being excited about the word of God that's coming forth. I bet you there are amens and everything happening right under that mask. Let's take a moment. Father, we just submit this time with great expectation. Father, we know by your spirit you can go where no human voice can go. You can go, Father, even within the deep of our hearts. So we submit this, meet us, touch us, restore us, heal us, establish us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is a thrill to be with you guys. Always love to be in the house, Grace Covenant Church, and, and to be with you. And for those of you who are watching us online, the exciting part of us being able to bring the spirit and the atmosphere of the house into your house. So God has been good to us, even in this season. Well, when I was growing up as a wee lad, there were two central points of scripture that were key to our Christian experience. And as a matter of fact, it was key not only to our Christian culture in that season, but also it was resident in the secular culture. And you had to know these two sections of scriptures to have your Christian card. One was the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, you can tell I knew that for a while because there, I got a lot of King James influence in how I prayed that, right? But the other one was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, and these two sections of scripture were so important. Matter of fact, you would watch some old movies and somebody would be on the battlefield. They would die and somebody would go and read the, recite one of these two sections of scripture. I mean, even in a secular context. And so these were important. And so they're important to us. They're central pillars for us. But what happens over time, we can become so familiar with these sections of scripture that we can make a disconnect in the practical challenges of everyday life. And I want to take a moment and turn our attention to the 23rd Psalm and really just center on one verse. When my mom, in the face of all the challenges that would come, whether they were physical challenges, whether they were relational, whether they were health-related challenges, she had a credo statement, and that was this, God's got it. God's got it. No matter what happens, you can say, oh, this is tough. This is, no, God's got it. Well, the doctor's report is, but God's got it. And the reality is that God does have it. But the fundamental question we have to ask, as comforting as that is, what does God have? And I discover in Psalm 23, he only has what we give to him. If we don't give it to him, he doesn't have it. And that doesn't nullify his sovereignty, his majesty, his greatness. But the fact is, there are things that won't be in God's hands until we put it in God's hands. And so I looked at this section 
And we could literally be here for hours because in Psalm 23, we see that God's got your needs. He's got your enemies. He's got your future. Today, I want to focus our attention on the fact that he's got your valleys. Tell somebody, he's got my valleys. He's got my valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is a valley? Valley is an elongated, low-lying road, if you will, that goes between the hills and the mountains. Practically, a valley is those low-lying life experiences that we go through when we feel like we're experiencing, we're in the midst of, it sounds like, it looks like a loss rather than a win. Anybody ever been in a valley? Anybody knows what a valley experience is like? We all face valley experiences in our life. We all go through those moments when it feels like we're, we're not going forward, but we are regressing. We are facing challenges that seem to be not just whelming us, but overwhelming us. And yet, David says here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait a minute. Hold up, David. See... If it was left to me, if, I, if the option was mine, I would not walk through the valley. I would run through the valley. I would want to get through as quick as possible. Because the valley is a tough spot. Who wants to walk through the valley when you can run through the valley? But I've discovered sometimes there are moments in God where God, in your valley experience, slows everything down. <sighs> I mean, you're trying to run, but you can't because everything is slowed down and, and you can't, God, can we move faster? You ever had that asset of God? Can we move a little bit faster? Can, can we get there quicker? Can you make this happen? And I realized, why is God slowing things down in the valley? It's because God understands something. The quicker we go to the valley, the more apt we are to forget the life lessons that God wants to teach us in the valley. Because the valley is a teaching time. It's, it's a time where God is imparting something to us. That's why we, in the midst of the valley, we rise up and we give him praise. <laughs> That's why we talk about giving him praise. See, how many know valley moments are rough? They are challenging in life. And so we don't want to walk through the valley. We want to get through the valley as quick as possible. Now, it's interesting because it's in this process that if I can't run through the valley, can I possibly run away from the valley? And a lot of people want to run away from their valleys, want to run away from those life situations, those hardships in life. Well, how many know there are some valleys you can't run from? You can try all you want, but you won't be able to run from them. And let's say if you could run from your valleys, what would you accomplish? Well, for a moment, just for a moment, you would avoid pain, but you would divert growth. 
Because God is using this. See, I say it's for a moment because God loves you too much not to have you go through the valley. Because you're going to learn some things in the valley. We discover things in the valley. We discover things about God in the valley. How many know it's great to have a theological mindset and understanding of scriptures and use great, wonderful theological terminology? But it's in the valley where it gets real. It's in the valley where you fall on your face before God. It's in the valley where real tears come in the valley. And so it's in the valley that you discover some things about God, the greatness, the vastness, the power of almighty God is discovered in the valley. And yet there are things we discover about ourselves in the valley. You ever had a reality check in the valley? The things we discover, we discover how important convenience was to us in the valley. How important public opinion was to us in the valley. How important resources and wealth was to us in the valley. It reveals something about our priorities. We, we see something about ourselves in the valley. So God's teaching us. God's helping us. It is so important that we got to walk through this. Don't run. We got to walk. But by the way, as you're walking, don't stop. Keep walking. Because every step brings you closer to your breakthrough. Don't stop. Keep walking. Let God meet you. Every step is divinely ordered by him. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Oh, wait a minute. The shadow of death is so important because we need to understand there's a difference between the shadow of death and the experience of death. And if I don't have a proper understanding, a proper perspective, I will treat the shadow of death like the presence and the, and the experience of death. But there's a difference between the shadow of death, and I know the shadow of death means I'm in close proximity, so much so that death can cast a shadow over me, but I'm not experiencing death itself. So there's a difference. There's a difference. You, if somebody dies and you read their death certificate, you will not find cause of death, shadow of death. What did you die from? Shadow of death. I didn't know you could die from that. Yeah, shadow of death. No, no one dies from the shadow of death. And so if we treat the shadow of death like death, it will begin to have an attitudinal impact on how we approach life situations. We will find ourselves ensnared when we shouldn't be. We will find ourselves taken out when it's just the shadow. Here is those shadow moments those moments where we find ourselves facing the difficulties, the issues of life. He said, even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, this brings us to the question because it really comes down to the foundation on how you perceive God and recognize yourself in the face of the valley. Because there are valley situations always coming, things coming, things happen. And, and the, here's the fundamental question. Are you going to be natural or are you going to be spiritual in your valley? I'm going to say that again. I could tell by your smiling faces you wanted me to say it again. 
Are you going to be natural or are you going to be spiritual in your valley? See, to be natural is to see, is to align yourself, is to be influenced by the natural. The net result then will be fear. Because you see those natural things, these natural limitations, you see natural things that seem to be at a place beyond your control. And yet, if I can begin to be spiritual, that is to have the ability to see the presence of the invisible God who is working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. The net result, that's faith. I can be in fear or I can be in faith. Now, when we ask the question, what does God have? What does he have? He has what you give him. David established that there's going to be an exchange in, the, in our relationship with God if God's going to have it. David said this earlier in this in psalm. He says, he made me. He led me. He leads me and he guides me. He makes me. He leads me. He guides me. He makes me. He leads me. It's all about exchange. He makes me. What does he make me do? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, luscious green pastures, refreshing pastures where I can lay down. But I cannot access it until I get off of my feet. I've got to lay down. That means I've got to give up and exchange my strength for his strength. I've got to get off my ability to stand in my own ability. And how many know it's hard sometimes to give up your strength? You're gifted, you're talented, you're intelligent, you got resources, you want to stand in your own strength. But if God's going to have it, you've got to get off of your own feet and fall down where you can access the pasture. It's exchanging my strength for his strength. It's exchanging, he says, and he leads me. Well, if God's going to lead me, I will not experience the power of that moment unless I follow. That means I got to exchange my control for his control. And how many want to give up control? Stop smiling. We want control. We love to be in control. Somebody invites us to something, says, oh, come on. I want to take you to this event. You say, okay. They say, I'll come over and pick you up. You say, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 don't do that. The reason you say that is because you're saying, I want to get in my car. I want to go when I want to go, and I want to leave when I want to leave. In other words, I want to control this moment. So we, we struggle with Giving up control, but if God's going to have control, we got to give up control. I love what Chuck Swindoll said. He says, anything under God's control is not out of control. We've got to give up control. He, he leads me, and then he says, he guides me. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. That is, I got to exchange my direction for his direction. I got to lean upon him, trust him with all my heart, not lean on my own understanding and all my ways, acknowledge him and he will direct my path. So how we respond to these valiant moments has to do with what are we are ready to exchange in the face of those moments when they come our way? How are we ready? Are we going to be natural or are we going to be spiritual? 
David, psalmist here, has a challenge among many challenges he had in his life. But there was a moment when he went to the front line. The front line where? It's when the, the armies of Israel were aligned against the Philistines, one on one mountain, one on the other. And in the middle was the valley. And in the valley was the, a monster of a man by the name of Goliath. David goes up and he's asking the army. He's, he's first, he's going to check on his brothers. He's going to see them. And he goes to the army line and he begins to talk and say, what is going on here? And they tell him and he begins to see there's this man, Goliath, who's intimidating everybody. Everybody's afraid of him. And David understands some things. He understands something about not being in the natural, but being in the spiritual. David eventually has this opportunity to present the king his job description and resume for the job. He says, look, I I can handle this situation because I've had valley experiences. And my former valley experiences has positioned me for this experience. How many know valleys set you up for another valley that you can win in? That you can have another valley that you can win in? David says, here's my job description. Here's, here's my resume. Here it is. So as a shepherd, I would take care of the sheep and a lion would come, grab the sheep in his mouth. He said, I would go, confront the lion, take the sheep out, grab him by the beard and subdue him. And then a bear would come. And he said, I, he would take one of the sheep. I got to get the sheep out of his mouth. And then grab him by the beard and subdue him. And he says, okay, God met me in that valley, the valley of the lion. God met me in the valley of the bear. God can meet me in the valley of the giant. Now, here's the thing about being in the spirit as opposed to being in the natural. That in the natural, the lion is the experience of death. The bear is the experience of death. Goliath is the experience of death. But in the spirit, where we walk not by sight, but by faith, the lion is only the shadow of death. The bear is only the shadow of death. And Goliath is only the shadow of death. So why will I allow that to stop me from seizing and stepping into the season that God has for me? How many know we talk about learning things in our valley? Did you know it says in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience to the things he suffered? Wow. He learned obedience to the things he suffered. Now, that does not suggest that there was any degree of disobedience in Jesus. Matter of fact, to the contrary. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I, I do nothing on my own initiative. He was committed to the heart of the Father. But there came a valley experience in Jesus leading up to the cross, the valley moment when Jesus himself was just before the reality of facing the cross. And it really wasn't the issue of death because men have died boldly before. It wasn't the issue that his disciples would all disband and desert him. I mean, that happens. The issue was 
that holiness would be made sin on our behalf. That he in that moment, as, as it says in scripture, God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The sinless one was about to become sin. He said, if it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. But then we see something. In the valley moment, there's an exchange. Not as I will, but your will be done. I give up my strength for your strength. I give up my control for your control. I give up my direction for your direction. He says, your rod and your staff, they follow me. They're with me. Your rods, your staff are ever with me. The rod represents the protection of God. The staff represents the guidance of God. The rod would be something that the shepherd would have many times like a club studded with nails to fend off all that were trying to come and kill the sheep. That staff, that long pole with a crooked end would be used to guide the sheep and bring them back into alignment here David says, I understand in the spiritual realm that God is fighting battles for me that I don't even see. And that when I drift off and I'm not even aware that I'm drifting, God is the one who, with convicting work of the Holy Spirit, can bring me back into alignment. See, the spiritual element is so important if I'm going to face my valleys. But you know what's interesting? That in this valley moment, they're at a valley the Valley of Elah. Elah, there's few meanings for that term, but one that's striking here is it means the speaking or sayings of a curse. Sayings of a curse. Now, here, how many know there are cursed words that can be spoken of our life that can stick to us throughout our life? They, they can be words that have been said to us about our deficiencies, our inabilities, the, the, our lack, our appearance, whatever, that can be spoken over us and they, they haunt us and they weigh down upon us and, and they, 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 they beat us up at times. Words spoken in our childhood, words spoken years ago, words spoken a year ago, words spoken last month can haunt us. And yet, it's these words that many times will become visible when we find ourselves in the valley. Because we're not even dealing with those words. We're dealing with a relational issue. We're dealing with a medical issue. We're dealing with a financial challenge. But those words come along in the midst of our valley experience. And now we feel like maybe we're not able, we're not adequate, we're not strong enough, we can't handle this because there have been words that have been spoken over our life. How many know this is real? This is real. David knew this because when David went to the front line, he ran into, he went to see his brothers and he ran to one of his brothers and his brother came to him and began to say some things to him. Like, aren't you supposed to be taking care of the sheep? Well, you just left the sheep out there. He says, now understand you are insolent and you are wicked. You're disrespectful. <laughs> You are irresponsible and you're twisted. Wow. Words that were spoken over David 
before he went into the valley. You go, as we go into the valley, we have these words hanging over us. That's the time to run from the valley. Let me tell you something. That's the time to run into the valley. Because once you get into the valley and you understand the Lord is with you and God divinely orchestrated this moment so that victory could be established in your life and strongholds could be broken off of your life. So this is the moment that when you run into the valley, when you go into that moment, when you face those challenges, God can begin to take layers off of you that have been a part of you for years. God can begin to show you things about yourself that he's healing and renewing. God can begin to reveal himself in the valley. God can begin to establish you in a way you have to come to the place where you come and you say, God, I don't like the valley, but I embrace what you're doing in the valley. How did James handle that? James said it this way. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's taking you through this so you can be stronger, wiser, smarter, and more perfected for the glory of God. Hallelujah. One translation of that James verse says, and welcome them as friends when you go through various trials. I think you're still smiling. <laughs> and welcome them. God's got your valleys. God's got your valleys. That means there's victory for you right here today. I said there's victory for you right here today. Right here, right now. There is victory for you. Would you do something? Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. If you're right next to somebody, tell them and say, you've got victory. There is not a valley big enough to keep you from experiencing what God has for you. Oh, by the way, just in case you feel like, oh, this is such a challenge. Remember now, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. <laughs> Hallelujah. I encourage you here. I encourage you at home that I know there are things you want to block out of your head, things you want to run from, things you don't want to deal with. But say, God, I'm making an exchange today. So I can deal with these valleys. I'm exchanging my strength for your strength. I'm exchanging my control for your control. And I'm exchanging my direction for your direction. Can you do that? Amen.